All right, let's look up at Psalm 84, get a word from our sponsor this morning. Before you know we go to Psalm, I'm sorry, I asked you to turn to Psalm. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4 real quick. Galatians chapter 4. Uh, because maybe, maybe uh, you didn't have a great father relationship. And so even though this is Father's Day, it's kind of like, well, I really don't care that it's Father's Day. And uh, I really don't want to hear about it. But uh, let's look at some verses. Galatians chapter 4. Because I would have to say that I had a, a good dad who provided for us and took care of us. But I wouldn't say that I had a father. Uh, my dad didn't teach us. He taught us how to work hard. And, and all, of our, all of us work hard. But he didn't teach us about relationships. He didn't teach us about emotions. He didn't teach us about sex. Uh, he didn't teach us about love, what that means, commitment, so forth and so on. And so he was a good dad. And I don't bash him because nobody taught him. So when I became a dad, I didn't want to just carry that on. I wanted to break the cycle. And so the best book that I went to to find out, well, how can I be a good dad? Because there's lots of books out there. This is the Bible. You knew that was coming, right? And from Genesis to Revelation, when you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to learn about a good dad and how to be that good dad. And you'll also learn in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, we read this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. So the fullness of time is when the prophecies were ready to be completed. When the Old Testament prophecies were ready to be completed, God sent forth his Son, whom we know to be Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, which would be all of humanity. All of humanity is under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons slash daughters. It's very important. Adoption. An adoption in Rome was very unique. When a child was adopted, they didn't keep records and, oh, one day when you're 18, we'll let you know who your parents were. Everything was destroyed. And you became not a stepchild, not a foster child. You became a son. You became a daughter. Period. You're, you're part of the family. You know, it's not like when you're 18, well, I wish I knew my dad. And my, no, no. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. You're adopted. Period. And so this is very important as you bring this into your Christian faith to realize God doesn't have stepkids. God doesn't have grandkids, great-great-grandkids. He has sons and he has daughters. Very important. And because you are sons slash daughters, God has sent forth the Spirit. Notice capital S. That would be the Holy Spirit. And as a believer, according to the Word of God, when you receive Jesus as your Savior... If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, I'm trying to educate you a little bit, give you some wisdom about what the Word of God says. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit literally comes within you. God literally comes within you and resides within you. Now, for the unbeliever, you're like, yeah, right, this is like sci-fi. You're not going to understand it until you surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to come within you. The natural man cannot appraise spiritual things. This is what the Word of God tells us. But the spiritual person can appraise all things. So it sounds hokey. Sound hokey to me. Forty years ago, before I received Jesus. Many things in the Bible sounded hokey. 
But once you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes within you, now you have God dwelling within you. Notice it says here, and because you are sons, daughters, God has sent forth the Holy Spirit of his Son, so this would be Jesus, into your hearts crying out what? Abba, Father. Not just God. Well, I know who God is. Do you really know who God is? Would you call him your father? Well, no, I wouldn't call him my father. He's God. Why would you call him your father? And would you call him Abba? Which is daddy? Which is daddy? Uh, you know, one time, many years ago, I was praying, and I, and I actually said, thank you, Abba, Father. And, and somebody made a comment to somebody and said, he shouldn't pray like that. He's calling God daddy. That's not scriptural. Well, they didn't, they, because you don't read from Genesis to Revelation, you might not learn these things, but as you read, you're going to, no, it's totally scriptural. It's not irreverent. It's not disrespectful. It's called an intimate relationship. And the more intimate relationship you have with God, your father, whatever your earthly father did do or didn't do, whether it was abusive or not, you're going to come to understand, I need to forgive my earthly father. Because nobody mentored, discipled, trained him. But I know my heavenly father loves me and cares for me. And will never abuse me. Never neglect me. Never leave me. Never forsake me. And then you start to learn those principles. Especially for you men, you young men. That one day will be married possibly and have children. Learn now what it means to be a father. Don't wait till they come. Don't wait till they show up. Learn now ahead of time. What does it mean to be a father? So this day, we are very, very blessed as we look back in Psalm 84 to know that we have a father in heaven. No matter how good or how, we might say, bad our earthly father was, we have a heavenly father that is even way better than our earthly father. So I would encourage you to be in your word, to study, and to realize what a good and faithful God we serve. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Father, we do thank you for those of us who you've given the opportunity to be dads. We thank you for that. It's hard. It's demanding. If we want to do it right, it's very challenging. It's time-consuming. We make mistakes. We fail. But Father, we thank you and praise you as we turn to your word. And we ask for forgiveness and we look at how we can do it better. You show us. And not only do you show us, you give us your Holy Spirit to empower us to be better dads. So Lord, I just personally thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, we pray for all the dads in this room, and we pray for our own dads, if if they are still alive, that you would bless them. If they don't know Jesus, that you would send someone right now, right this very day, send a believer to cross their paths, to witness to them, to plant, to water, and if possible, to pray with them to receive Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your word. And Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching, even this morning as we cover these psalms, that you would be glorified, Lord, through your word. This is not just a book. This is not a novel. These are your words. This is precious. This is your love letter. So Father, help us to grasp who you are and why you sent your son and how good you are. 
Bless this time. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 84, to the chief musician on the instrument of Gath, a psalm of the sons of Korah. And again, if you're new or visiting, the psalms are songs. We read them as we would read like a chapter of a book. And so we just think it's a chapter of a book. But no, each chapter is a song. And many of them would have been sung in the temple area. And so here we have a song, a psalmist writing a song. And we don't know specifically who wrote this. But again, as we just read, it's attributed to the sons of Korah. And the sons of Korah were those Levites who had the responsibility as well as the privilege of singing and playing instruments before the tabernacle or within the temple area as Solomon built the temple. And they could also serve as the doorkeepers, as we will see in this psalm. It is believed that they lived amongst the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. So if you get out a map, if you look at your map in the back of your Bible, some Bibles have maps of where the tribes settled, you will see that they would have had to travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. That's, that's kind of key to what we're reading here this morning. You see, it might have been written from the perspective of what just happened serving in the tabernacle slash temple area at one of those feasts. And it opens up right away with that possibility. In verse 1, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. You see, there was that tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build that traveled with them, that David brought along with him, And then Solomon built the temple area, and Solomon spent years building the temple. And he spared no expense in making it the most beautiful house of worship in all of Israel. You see, it was the dwelling place of God as far as they were concerned. But even Solomon, as again, as you read the word, even Solomon admitted when after years of building multi, multi, multi in that day and age, million dollar facility, he even admitted at the dedication of the temple, that the house that he had built could not contain God. You see, it's interesting how much emphasis is placed upon the architecture of cathedrals. And I like watching Channel 8 and seeing these buildings. I mean, they are magnificent. They're incredible, the millions and millions of dollars that have gone into them, into churches, into temples, into mosques. But again, as you read the word of God, you come to know that God dwells within the life of every believer via the Holy Spirit. And I say this often, but if you're newer visiting, when you leave here, the church leaves. This is You come back at 10 o'clock tonight, you're going to hear the crickets. You might see a mouse. You'll set off the motion detector if the mouse doesn't. I get calls. Just forget it. It's a mouse. Don't, don't worry about it. There's nobody here because the church is left. This is just a place, thank God, that is comfortable with the air conditioning, that we as individual believers can gather. It's kind of hard to get 100 or 200 people maybe into your house. Maybe some of you have that big a house. Most of us don't. So that's what it's all about, just convenience. You see, Jesus said, where two or three believers are gathered together in his name, that church is taking place. And unfortunately... Christians will take that out of context and say, well, I don't need to go to church. I can go up to the mountains. I can go to the lakes. I can do this. I can do that. 
you want to read your whole Bible. Because Hebrews tells us, there's verses in Hebrews that tells us, do not neglect the assembling together as the manner of some is. Even in the early church, there were some Christians who were saying, I, I don't need to go to church. I don't need that. No, you do. We do. We all do. We need to gather together, you know, in homes, Bible studies, at breakfast, whatever it might be. But again, we need that corporate fellowship as well. Because notice what he says in verses 2 through 4. My soul longs. The word longs here is to yearn for, to long after. Now think about this as maybe the psalmist has left the feast He's heading back home, or maybe he's already home, and he's reflecting upon what took place, or maybe what's going to take place in a few months. Because for every male over 20 years old, there were three major feasts that they were required to attend if they could possibly attend. And listen to the heart here, not just the head. Because, see, guys, he's expressing something. That unfortunately, church attendance is down throughout the country and throughout the world. Cathedrals that were bursting at the seams 150 years ago in Europe are now mosques, coffee shops, museums, or they're shuttered. That's reality. Why? Because God's not around? No, because the desire is no longer there. See, guys, you and I, we have a desire. We have a desire to do what? What's a natural desire that we all have? Especially in the morning when we first wake up. I have a desire to go to the bathroom. i got to go to the bathroom. That's just a natural desire. And then we have a desire to brush our teeth. Thank God. Hopefully you brushed your teeth this morning. And then we might splash our face. And then we have a desire to eat. Yeah, calorie chapel. Let's go get some food. And then when you're choking on your food, you have what? A desire to breathe. You see, we got a lot of desires. But is church a desire? Because see, what's happened and why those churches have faded away is because they were churches. They were religion. Religion kills. Religion is not relationship. And if you're here this morning trying to fulfill a religious obligation... It means nothing to you. This means nothing. Get it over with. I want to take my dad out to lunch. Could you hurry up and make this shorter, please? This means nothing. But if you're a believer, hopefully, again, you're not doing it out of religious obligation, but you're doing it because you want to be here, which most of us, I know you are. But again, not just that, but you actually yearn to hear the word of God. Guys, this Bible is illegal in Saudi Arabia. It's illegal in most Muslim countries. If you get caught with this in a Muslim, in a predominant Muslim country, you can be tortured, you can be killed, your house will be burned. That's a reality. Islam is not a peaceful religion. <gasps> can't believe you said that. Well, grow up and read. Look at the news. It's not a peaceful religion. And if you as a believer try to go in there and propagate the gospel, you'll find out real quick. This is not a peaceful religion. I thought it was a peaceful religion. It's not a peaceful religion. You'll see who gives us peace. But here the psalmist says, My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Notice that. He doesn't say, my, You know, my, my soul longs, yes, even faints, for my 52-inch screen TV. 
I just can't wait to get home in the lazy boy and watch football. Get nothing wrong with it. I like doing that myself. But no, back it up. For the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And notice he says courts of the Lord. Well, who's at the courts of the Lord? Just himself? No, multiple people. So again, these are verses that are showing us it's important to be in church. It's important to be in fellowship. As I shared last week, one in five Americans suffer from depression. Are all, is there nobody in this room that's suffering from depression? The odds are somebody is. And that's why we gather. And there's a lot of other things that people suffer from throughout the week. And that's why we gather. So we can be here to encourage each other, strengthen each other, pray for one another, lift each other up. So it's not just a matter of coming and hearing somebody blah, 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 blah. It's coming anticipating, God, how do you want to use me at church today? The pastor's going to share, but how do you want to use me? Because you see, guys, God wants to use all of us, not just me. There might be somebody sitting right next to you that is battling something very serious. And you're next to them. So that maybe at the end of the service or before you say goodbye and you shake hands, you, you look at them and go, hey, is there anything you need prayer for? And they may say no. Or they might just say, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I could. I could really use some prayer. And this is what I need prayer for. You could just make their whole day. So don't be so narrow-minded that it's just about me and what I'm sharing. No, you know, God wants to use you where you're at. And he wants to use your relationship. So he goes on to say, uh, even the sparrow has found the home. So he, he's looking around, he's thinking back. Even the birds get to come to the tabernacle. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my king and my God. Notice that personal relationship. It's not about in the religion I was raised at, the priest on the altar, and he was the one that had the phone, the direct line to God. You see, when I was a kid, if I stepped on the altar, I'd get the backhand of fellowship. What are you doing up on this altar? This is a holy place. Only the priest comes up here. No, no, no. My father, Abba, Daddy. You see, the psalmist is saying, My king and my God, blessed, happy, are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. What do you think about that? I am thankful for these verses and I'm also thankful that it's not just these verses that I can think back in my own life when I've gone to a retreat that I can draw closer to communion with God and have that time away. And, and most of the facilities that I've ever gone to are, are usually basically old and rustic, not comfortable. I mean, if you go on a women's retreat, a men's retreat, if you go to junior high camp or high school camp, you don't go to these to get sleep. If you're going somewhere to get sleep, don't go to one of those. You just got to set your mind straight ahead. But if you're going there to, to learn more about God and becoming more like Jesus, you will. It's all about the heart. You see, I believe that's what the psalmist desired. Time away from the hustle and bustle of life. Time to just sit and meditate upon the God of the universe. And that's another reason why we have church. 
It's just that little bit of time during the week where we get together and sing some songs, sing some theology, not just songs, but actually sing some theology to give God the glory, the praise, to lift up the Holy Spirit because He is God as well, to lift up Jesus. See, blessed, again, happy, is the man whose strength is in you. Maybe you had a tough week. Maybe you're feeling very weak. W-E-A-K because of this W-E-E-K. That's okay. You're in a good place. God loves you. And He wants to build you up. And maybe you don't even have Jesus as your Savior, so you have no idea what this means. For those of you as believers, you know what it means. Because Jesus said what? Seek, ask, knock for more of the Holy Spirit. And my Father will give you more of the Holy Spirit. So if you are feeling weak, Notice this here. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Now as young men and young women, we pride ourselves in our strength. As we get older, 58, and I was exercising this past week. I had a knee surgery 30 years ago. I tweaked my knee. Here I am limping for two days. Ice packs, doing exercises, and it hurts even right now. This is ridiculous. Give me in my new body, God. You start to become humble and realize, you know what? I'm not as strong as I used to be. I need strength. I need more strength. Not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. Notice he goes on to say, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Again, this is hard for us to comprehend because, you know, If we want to go to church, we go to church. If we go to church, we jump in the car. We're there in five minutes, ten minutes, a half hour. We want to go back to these people, to this time frame, where they would have to walk for miles and miles and miles. Well, if i got to walk 30 miles, I don't got time for that. I'll take the donkey. That'll be much faster. Well, if you don't have a donkey, then you're going to walk. And they would. They would walk for miles and miles and miles. You know, at, at Christmas, I always go over this, just popped into my head. Do you guys know how far Nazareth is from Bethlehem? And and do you know how far along Mary was when she was pregnant? And her bright husband said, Mary, we got to go to Bethlehem. (laughs) Yeah, right, Joseph. Can't you see what's happening here? I'm about ready to give birth. Well, I got a donkey for you. It's only 80 to 90 miles. 80 to 90 miles on a donkey Nine months pregnant. Most women would say, you know what, just give it a rest. It's no big deal. God will understand. No, they were committed to the word of God. Joseph and Mary were committed to the word of God. And God had a plan for Joseph and Mary that you can come back to and hear on Christmas Eve. But it's all about trusting God. And that God will give us strength. And that he's going to send us on a pilgrimage. And that pilgrimage for you and I today is called life. You see, it's not about the trip. It's about the destination of the trip. Everybody's different. For me, I I don't really get worked up about the trip. I don't really get excited about the trip. It's like, okay, I got to pack. I got to do this. I got to do that. I don't get excited. But once I get off the plane or the bus or once I get out of the car at the destination, I just go ballistic. I mean, inside, I just loving it. This is fantastic. Everybody's a little bit different. But what we want to keep in mind is it's not about this trip, this trip called life. This trip called life. Please pray for the, uh, just popped into my mind, please pray for the Cheryl family, Shirley family. 
Errol. He's going to be going home to be with Jesus probably in the next couple of weeks. Maybe the next week. Praise God. He knows Jesus. He's excited. We talked last night, sang last night, prayed, read the word of God. He's excited. Praise God. He's going to get his brand new body. No more 80-year-old, broken down body. And he's yearning to go to heaven now. Because he knows this is it. I am going to see Jesus face to face. You see, it's not about the trip. It's the destination for you and I as we go through this life. Okay, I tweaked my knee. Big deal. I'm still going to heaven. Praise God. Praise God. Let's look at, I mean, let's look at a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. We, we, I'm going to throw them up here just to make it quicker. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Speaking of the saints of old. But having seen them afar off, we're assured of them. The promises of the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah. There's a Messiah coming. There's a coming Messiah. They didn't see them. But they embraced them. You see, for you and I, we have a coming, we have a promise. What's the promise? We have a coming Messiah. Jesus is coming back. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't say it first. Jesus said it. He said, I'll be back. He is coming back to this earth. That's a promise. No matter how bad it gets, we gotta lift our eyes. He's coming back. Because guys, it's getting sick and it's getting bad. We gotta just keep lifting our eyes. Not get focused on the sin. Because it's bad. No, I'm gonna stay focused on Jesus. But having seen them afar off, we're assured of them, embraced them, and confessed what? That they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Guys, for you and me, we're just passing through. Errol's just passing through. As I shared with him last night, Errol, when you take your last breath on this earth, at 186,000 miles per second, you're going to take your first breath in heaven. To be absent from the body, the scriptures say, is to be present with the Lord. Not going through a dark tunnel, there's a light, I think it's a freight train. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain for you and me as believers, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. The enemy is trying to drag me and drag you back into the world. And you and I, we have a calling to remember, we're just passing through, we're just passing through, we're just passing through. Crucify the flesh, crucify the flesh. You see, as believers, we're just passing through. Our final destination is heaven. And oh, how happy, how happy we will be if we keep our focus, if we keep that our focus as we continue on this trip called life. Bomb to knee. Oh, well, I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Verses 6 through 8. As they pass through the valley of Baca. As far as we know, there is no literal valley of Baca. Baca means weeping or lamentation. And it is equated with the balsam tree that oozes out a sap that looks like tears. So this isn't a literal valley. He's using imagery here of those hard times that you and I have in our lives, those valleys that we all go through. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools or blessings. They go forth. 
from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And Zion is Jerusalem. So again, get the imagery here as this man is going through a valley, a plain, going over a hill, whatever it might be to get to Jerusalem. He's now using that imagery as far as mental anguish that you and I go through. How do we go from strength to strength? By relying on Christ. By looking back and seeing, God, you brought me through that. Are you going to get me through this? Wait a minute, you brought me through that. You brought me through that. You brought me through that. Yes, that's what it means here when it says they go from strength to strength. Can you look back in your life and see how strong God was? How he brought you out of something? And as you do that, then when you go through something again, you don't wonder, I wonder if God's strong enough. No, God is plenty strong enough. I just need to surrender. And so then you go from strength to strength, knowing that he's going to give you strength, he's going to get you through whatever it is you're going through. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. You see, God is not only the God of the valley. He is the God of the mountaintops as well. And and we've had the high schoolers. They went on a high school retreat. And we had the junior hires just got back. And I'm hearing really good reports about that. And unfortunately, what happens very quickly is you settle in after a retreat. And you go back to the same mode of operation. I've been up on the retreats. By day three or four, the high schoolers, many of them, not all of them, but many of them are in the hall. They want to be there. They're excited. They're getting ready to go to church. They're going to have a Bible study. They're there ahead of time. They're not dragging in late. Hint, hint. They're actually there on time. And they're excited about being on time. And then as the music starts, they're actually singing and participating. I'm talking about high school and junior high. And many of them by day four or five will be raising their hands. They'll be raising their hands in surrender, symbolic of surrender. Anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world you go, if a cop's coming at you with a gun, just raise your hands and you should be okay. They're raising their hands. And on the final night, the music may go for an hour to two hours. But then after a week, after two weeks, they come to this church or they go to any other church. Well, you know, it's just not the same. The lights aren't down. The music's not as cool. You've fallen into the trap of the enemy because it's not about lights it's not about emotions it's not about having your friends near you it's about personal commitment am I willing to raise my hands and say I surrender am I willing to give my all because he gave his all for me or am I going to wait till next oh I can't wait till next summer camp (sighs) let me give you a clue high schoolers and junior high you don't have to wait you shouldn't be waiting Don't look at the adults around you. You do what God has called you to do. Worship the Lord. Praise the Lord with gladness and raise your hands in surrender, in honor and love. And allow the Holy Spirit to inspire you and strengthen you. You see, a Christian needs both experiences to truly grow into the person that God desires them to be. We need the valleys and we need the mountaintops. But don't wait for either or. 
wherever God has you today, focus on Him and commit to Him that God, you are my shield in verse 9. Oh God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. God, you're going to shield me. You're going to take care of me. I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. But God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. And that's the hardest thing to do. Verse 10, we actually sang a song, the first song this morning. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. And the song says elsewhere. That's the assumption here. Because he goes on to say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. And again, the sons of Korah were a part of Levitical priesthood. They would be the door, they could be the doorkeepers, they would have been the singers, they could also help in the, the special instruments that the priest would use. So notice what he says here, and I have this highlighted in my Bible. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, notice this, than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's an incredible statement. Again, what would a doorkeeper do? He would stand watch over those who came into the temple area so that nothing unclean could enter. He would help with the gathering of the free will offerings and also of the handling of the sacred vessels. He would also oversee the opening and closing of the doors of the temple area. Now think about that as we're reading the psalm. Think about that. Just be a doorkeeper here one Sunday morning. Just stand by the door and observe what takes place. Do people come in dragging? Do people come in with a smile? Do people come in with anticipation? Do people come in with anger on their face? You see, the psalmist here gets to be a doorkeeper and he gets to watch people. And what are people bringing? They're bringing their sacrifices. But are they bringing their sacrifice with joy? Oh, I got to bring this sacrifice. I got to bring this lamb. God says, I need a lamb. So here's a lamb. Take your stinking lamb, God. Sacrifice it. Or are they coming with joy? How do we come to the house of God? Do we come with anticipation? Do we come with joy? Do we come with, with desire to be here? He would see the humility of those bringing their sacrifice for sin. You see, it was a busy job, but one that involved so many pleasures at the same time. And in reflecting on his experience in the tabernacle or temple, the psalmist expresses something that the world will never understand. To be hanging around like-minded believers is better than anything else this life could offer. And unfortunately, I would have to say most Christians in the church don't understand this. Well, how can you say that? How do you know that? Well, the home fellowships aren't busting at the seams. Marriage enrichment nights aren't busting at the seams. Beyonders aren't busting at the seams. We're too busy. We've got too many things to do. It's just priorities. It's just what you value. Whatever you value, you will take the time to do. It's amazing. If you value golf, you will practice your golf swing for hours. You'll go to different places to hit balls off that little white tee. I used to be a golfer. I gave it up for shooting. Even with shooting, you know, if you miss when you're shooting, it's still fun. It's fantastic. With golf, it gets more frustrating as the day goes on. Did you see what Phil Mickelson did the other day? He hit, he, hit a, he hit a putt, and he saw that the ball was going to go cruising off the green. A professional, a multimillionaire, a man who's supposed to have dignity on the golf course. 
He runs after the ball and hits it with his putter back up the green towards the hole because he knew it was going to go off the green and then he'd have to putt and putt and putt. He got a 10 on the hole. For all you golfers, he didn't get a snowman. He got a 10. <laughs> Professional golfer. But he cheated. He even admitted it. I knew I was cheating, but I just wanted the two-stroke penalty. You see, what do you put, what do you put your priority on? Knitting? Facebook? How many hours do you spend on Facebook? Could you maybe spend 15 minutes with the Lord versus Facebook? Don't step on my toes, Pastor. Not stepping on your toes. It's just reality. If you got time for all this other stuff, if I have time for all this other stuff, do I have time for God? So it's a yes or no question. You see, we need to be more like Jesus. He loved spending time in the temple area. It's way better than hanging out with sinners. And as believers, we have the same privilege again. Now think bigger here to stand at the door of our own heart and guard against the enemy of our soul. This is for me as well as for you. To evaluate what we allow to come before our eyes as the doorkeeper would make sure that nothing unclean came into the temple area. To guard against what comes into our ears. What are we listening to? What proceeds out of my mouth? You see, it is such a privilege as well as a blessing to know that God dwells within us. But here's some final questions as we wrap it up. Can we say the same thing as the psalmist here? See, again, this is discipleship time, not just teaching time. I really pray because I do this myself as I study and I I ask these questions. I, I respond to these questions myself. I'm not giving you homework. Okay, do this homework. I don't do it, but you do it. No, no, no. I do it as well. I do it as well. Do we really enjoy coming to church? Do we really look forward to spending time with other believers or are we just going through the motions? Verses 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts. And again, I have this verse highlighted. Blessed is the man or woman Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in you. Happy. The word blessed there is happy. Are you struggling with depression? Don't be ashamed. Just get into the word of God. He will meet you. Are you struggling against your supervisor, against a mate, against your children? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, Ephesians tells us. Be in prayer. Get into the word of God. And let the Holy Spirit fill you and overflow your life. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the psalmist. That he poured out his heart to us. To give us an example. We don't know who wrote this, but it was obviously a man. Who had desires. Just like us. But yet he expresses a desire that is uncommon, unfortunately, today. As we see church attendance dwindling, as we see churches closing, even in America, as we see the average church size in America is 50 people, Father, we thank you and praise you that your Holy Spirit is inspiring us to be here. 
But Lord, we just don't want to be here physically. We want to be here spiritually and mentally and emotionally. Father, we want to be all in. So Lord, even as we have studied this psalm, we just right now ask your Holy Spirit to evaluate my heart, to evaluate our hearts. And it's just to ask openly and honestly, why am I here? Why am I here? And what do I do? What do I allow you to do in my life while I'm here? Lord, give me, give us wisdom and give us discernment with these simple questions that you would be glorified and that if we need to repent, Father, that we would repent and we get right with you. Maybe there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus. If you would like to receive Jesus this morning, Again, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you because you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. But if you would like to receive Jesus this morning, if you would like to receive the Holy Spirit so that you might come to understand these things, then just pray this simple prayer. God will hear it. And the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And God, I repent. I turn to You. I'm not as strong as I want everybody to think I am. I'm actually quite weak. And I need your strength. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your love. And so God, I I invite you right now into my life. I don't know what this all means, but I trust you're going to show me. So I say thank you for accepting me as your son, as your daughter. And now that the Holy Spirit dwells within me, I will truly understand how much you love me. Thank you for this time, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this time. Be glorified, Lord. Even through this simple psalm, may we meditate on it throughout the week. What are we allowing to come before us? What are we looking at? What are we listening to? What are we saying? Lord, just help us to be more like Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a great week. VBS. VBS. So again, if you can come out and help clean Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll start at 1 o'clock. If you could come back at 4 o'clock today to help set up, that would be wonderful. If you need prayer, if you receive Jesus, please come up. We'd love to pray with you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. Just be